Parenting is hard. Few of us feel up to the task. The world is shifting, quickly and dramatically. All of us feel the changes affecting our families. The stress and pressure can be intense. We are here to help sort the good and the bad, provide insight and bring hope. Welcome to Brilliantly Brave Parenting. We're so glad you stopped by. Hey, y'all. It's Robert, your co-host. What I'm here with the Brad. heck is that? I'm in Tennessee, Brad. Where are we at, Robert? What what podcast is this? This is Brilliant. Oh, I guess that's important, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is Brilliantly Brave Parenting Podcast. And I'm your co-host, Robert. And I'm with... See, it's harder than it looks. It's not really Brad. Yeah, it really is. It's not really. You did. How many outtakes were there before you did this intro? Uh, none. Hey, Brad, did you know that when you were born, mm-hmm. you were for a moment the youngest person on earth? Did you know that? Ah, that's going deep, man. Yeah. Think about that. For one moment, you were like the youngest person on earth. Huh. Let that sink in. Well, it's a fleeting leading moment of fame, I guess. And the reason I bring it up is that we try here at Brilliantly Brave to, um, once an episode, bring something up that is positive and that uh, is what I think you call, what do you call it, Brad? A positive moment. A pause. Spelled P-A-U-S-I-T-I-V-E. My own word, positive. Okay. So uh, there are so many things that we could harp on in in our lives day to day, and so we are trying to be deliberate about finding yeah. Something positive every day, and today, I just thought it would be helpful to point out that you actually had a moment in history, wow. and it's remarkable. It You're is the youngest remarkable. person for I, a moment. I really hadn't thought of that, Robert. That's, that's really helpful. <laughs> um, so, Robert, I know the, the audience probably can't tell unless they go onto our YouTube feed, but you've recently uh, lost a tremendous amount of weight. Like, you look really healthy, really, oh, really you. good, handsome, young. Wow, you're saying nice things. Yeah. So- I'm sure there are people here who have husbands who are like, how do I help my husband? What What did you do? How did you get so healthy? Well, I don't know if it's healthy. Um, I did the keto diet. So I did like, I call it my bacon and wings diet at the beginning. You know, ah. you just sustain your life on wings and bacon and uh, stay like low carb. So. Wow. It's been an adventure. Actually, it's, I feel great. It's just, you know. It's not like My wife is like it's Atkins like, did that right back in the day. Initially, like when I first got into it, I it was like hardcore Atkins. Like it was twenty grams of carbs a day. Like really, seriously, literally, I kept wings and bacon at all times because if I had the munchies, I just like satisfy it with protein. But now I cheat. I went to a football game last night and had chips and you know, nachos and stuff like so that. So once but, you get the engine mm, revved up, yeah, the metabolism, easy to maintain. you feel better. Yeah. Okay. Well, I know uh, that's an important thing because uh, we're talking about guys today. Yes. And we're talking about fathers and sons. And uh, and I'm really excited about this interview because, as, as many of you know, um, I was a single dad and I raised three girls on my own for eight and a half years. Um, then I got remarried and inherited three sons. And so now I'm thrust into the world of having father-son's relationship. So I'm excited about this conversation. Well, it is our pleasure and honor to have Joel Fitzpatrick on Brilliantly Brave Parenting today. Thanks for being a part of our craziness, Joel. Welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Hey, Joel, did you know that um, when you were born, you were for a moment the youngest person on earth? Yeah, I I, I guess for that short moment yeah. until the next moment came, exactly. that was like legitimately my only claim to fame in life. Well, it's fantastic. I mean, it's historic. You think about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's a great, it's a great thing to ponder. Yeah, 
I'm I think that's sure all we need to discuss does. about. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think if a father <laughs> shares that with his son, he may be on the, the right For path. one nanosecond, yeah. you were the youngest person so, on this planet. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, Joel might be more qualified than that because he's actually written a book, right? I know. <laughs> uh, this book is really nice looking. It's Between Us Guys, Life-Changing Conversations for Dads and Sons. It's on the camera if you want to see it. And it's from New Growth Press. Joel, what is it that's going on in our culture with guys? There's a lot of weirdness, right? Yeah. Um, I feel like in so many ways, our culture tries to define masculinity. Actually, I don't feel like that. I know that that's what's going on, whether it's through our video games or movies. Uh, we get pictures of masculinity tossed at us all day long. And a lot of times those pictures aren't really healthy pictures. And so, you know, what I wanted to do, I have a young son. At the time I started writing this book, he was right around 10, 11 years old. And now he's 13. And I wanted to figure out how to capture what true masculinity, uh, masculinity that's shaped by the gospel, what that actually looks like. Hmm. And to try to give him a better worldview than what he was receiving from Fortnite or Minecraft. Right. Or, yeah. quite frankly, Avengers, you know, or whatever it is. Or on the other side of that, I was having a conversation with someone a couple of weeks ago about just how guys have been portrayed in the media, even looking at, um, like, The Bachelor or The Bachelorette mm -hmm. or whatever. You know, like, it's just the the... There's so I don't I don't know how to describe this other than it's like a commodity or it's like it's not a hunk of yeah hunk, a hunk of burning yeah. love it's stuff yeah. pretty messed up yeah, yeah. you know uh, usually there's like the there's the hyper masculine male right who seeks to dominate everything and then there's usually like the nerdy wimpy male who like tries to like that's me be cool but really fails um <laughs> yeah there's all these different guys you named it there's all these different guys who uh get thrown at us through our media and you know those things really set up this false perception for our sons and really for uh, men across our country this false perception that masculinity looks like uh either dominating Hmm. through power and strength, um, sexual conquest, hmm. uh, or using your intellect to outsmart other people so that you can gain the upper hand. Hmm. When in reality, the Bible lays out like a completely different viewpoint on masculinity. Uh, actually, it shows us Jesus, who was like the most masculine male ever, uh, who actually died so that other people could live. Mm. And that's such a more beautiful like concept of masculinity. It's such a more uh, beautiful God-honoring picture of masculinity. And that's really what I was trying to say in this book was like, look, there's something so much better than dominating other people, mm. um, than trying to get the upper hand. Uh, masculinity can really be used for good and to promote the good of others around us. Mm. Yeah, one of the things that Robert and I have been a part of for well over a decade is, you know, helping create media that uh, provides uh, healthy role models for mm. tweens and teens. And I was thinking about when I grew up, what was my role model as for a, for a healthy male? And I, I, my parents loved James Bond, 
like mm. Lee Madonna with James Bond movies. And so, uh-huh. like, that's not a great role model. No. For, <laughs> Shaking, not stirred. For, yeah. So true. You know, martini drinking, womanizing, you know, uh, yeah. assassin. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, but that truly, I mean, as I grew up, like, that was my ideal sort of example. Robert, what? Did you have one like yeah. that? You grew up with your Marlboro man or what, what was your thing? <laughs> well, I grew up in Africa. So uh, Shaka Zulu, I would think. No, I'm, I, I don't think, I don't know who it would be. Like John uh, Wayne was a generation before me. But not for, I mean, in Africa, yeah. I mean, literally, I'm, I, I, can't, I did grow up in Africa. So I didn't, there, I wasn't like tuned into American stereotypes, but I, uh, or characters, because I just didn't grow up. There was a lack of like what it means to be a man. I, I can mm. tell you that there wasn't a lot of examples, and of course, I mean, I did hear of the James Bond thing, but I wasn't allowed to see anything like that. So, um, but I think you're right, Joel, that there's a um, there's a lack of like what it means to be a man. There's conflicting like whether it's conquest, winning, dominance, whatever, or it's the weak, nerdy kind of like wh- what it means to be a man. When you look at Jesus, I mean, it was. 100% sacrificial. He was still a strong man. He stood up for principle, but above all it was love and ultimately sacrifice. And um, that is contrary to the idea of winning for ourselves, which is kind of the theme of our culture lately. Right. And I think that the reality is for our sons, at least I found this in my life, um, I never really fit into like the dominance through strength or dominance through like sexual conquest or dominance through like smarts mold. Mm. I, I was, I was, a, it's, it's, so then what, like the question I had to ask myself was, what does that even mean about me? Right. Like, does that mean that I'm actually a man? Um, and this really plays in, in big ways when your son faces failure when your son is not perfect, when your son uh, has to interact with other people who are stronger than him or smarter than him. Uh, those re- those things, if your picture of masculinity is based on dominance, those interactions really become um, really hurtful. And mm. I think in a lot of ways makes uh, your son feel like less than a human, um, less than a man. And then we add to that sort of stuff by saying things to our sons like men don't cry or be a man or man up. Mm-hmm. Um, and those things start to like reinforce this idea that masculinity um, really doesn't look like Jesus. It looks like strength and power and dominance. Mm. Um and that's that's what I think goes on in so many ways in our in our kids' lives. You tack on to that if a, if a kid has been molested um, and what that means for them. Uh, really, these things are these big, uh, difficult questions. And if we haven't been diligent to talk to our sons, if we haven't been building a picture of masculinity that's shaped around who Christ is, and what the gospel says about the identity of our sons, then our sons will start to look at these other things and they'll see that they fail. And then that leads to so many different issues uh, with our kids that we're actually seeing play out today through social media, through violence, through all of these different um, areas of our culture that we look to and say, man, where, where did this come from? Hmm. Yeah. I, I was reading through some of the, 
the media kit that you uh, sent us around your book. And one of the things that, that that's sort of addressed in the book, and I think would be really helpful for our audience, is this idea that fathers can help kids express and process their emotions. And for for sons and for men, I think that's a huge sort of gap that's out there. Yeah. Um, talk about that a little bit. How how can a father help his son learn to express emotions healthy in a healthy way? Yeah, I think that this is one of the biggest uh, one of the biggest areas that our our media has like struck against in manhood because men in media um, don't cry, they don't have emotions. Really, the only emotion they show is anger, right? And then that plays itself out in violence. Um, I think that dads can provide this safe space for their sons. This space where their kids can actually interact with their emotions and dads can help them with that. Uh, and in that safe space, they can become, uh, they can become men who learn how to, how to, deal with the beautiful things that God's given us that are portrayed or the difficult things that God's given us that, that bring up different emotions inside of us. So here's an example of it. Um, our neighbors, we've lived in this neighborhood where I live currently for about five years. We have great neighbors. Our neighbors are moving. Uh, my son has played with our neighbor boys every day for five years straight has developed deep bonds, deep relationships with them. Well, our neighbors are moving on Friday of, of this week. And that's brought about sadness in my son. Now, if I was playing into like the world's model of masculinity, when my son encounters that sadness, I would just want to like get him out of sadness as quickly as I possibly could. Hmm. Whereas the Bible gives me the freedom to say, you know, sadness is actually an emotion that's given to us by God to help us to understand that things are wrong. And, you know, Jesus was sad when he lost his friend. In, in fact, Jesus cried when he lost his dear friend, when his dear friend died and, and was gone. Um, Jesus wept over that. And some, like that's an okay emotion. It doesn't mean that you're less than a man to, to, to cry if that's what you feel like you need to do at this point. Um, but what it does mean is we can take our cares and we can give them to God and know that God hears us. You see, that's helping your son process through a very real event in his life where his emotions are there and they're real and they're good because Losing friends is a sad thing. Um, you would be weird to not experience emotion when you lose your friends. Mm. Uh, but you want to give him this robust picture that says, man, Jesus knows what it is to be you. And Jesus knows what it is to experience emotion. And Jesus is there with you through it. And it doesn't make you less than a man when you experience that emotion. So many, um, and I, I appreciate what you're saying. There's, <clears throat> there's a lot of dads out there that maybe don't feel equipped to have those kinds of conversations because they, it wasn't modeled for them by their fathers, how to own your emotions. And so what would you say, I, I'm thinking of a specific person in my mind that, you know, I don't know that they 
would even know what a safe place looks like because they don't process their own emotions. And so if yeah. you're talking to someone out there that's listening that um, says, okay, I, I, I get this, and, and there's more than what I was even given as a kid, as a boy, um, mm-hmm. what's a good on-ramp for that dad to kind of get to the place where they're, they can normalize their own emotions and in doing that, um, provide that safe space for their kids? Yeah, I think first of all, dads, you've got to have friends. Um, you know, most dads, most men in our society don't have friends. They don't have deep yeah. friendships. I mean, they may have like the people who they play fantasy football with, or maybe you go have a beer with. Um, if you're of the beer drinking uh, type, I'm Presbyterian, so I'm okay <laughs> with that. Um, you know, or they have friends who maybe they talk over the fence to. Right. But they don't have anyone who they really feel uh, comfortable opening up their lives to. Now, let me just say this. In most conservative circles, the term safe space is looked at as um, a place of weakness, uh, as, a, as a place for people who just don't know how to be strong, to like go and process their emotions and cry and sing Kumbaya. That is, that is like such a false conception. Mm. Um, a safe space really is a, a friendship. It's a relationship with someone where you can be the real you. And that person will look at you in the eye and they'll say either, A, brother, I'm right there with you. And, you know, the beauty is God forgives us for when we go crazy with our emotions. Um, or it's a place where... They can, they can say to you, brother, like, I love you, but you're just off base here, and let me help you get to the right place. Um, you see, you need that in your own life, whether that's with a pastor or with a trusted friend. You need that in your own life because that will actually give you the emotional ability to have those sorts of uh, conversations with your son. So if you're a dad and you're out there listening to this right now, and you're hearing me talk about this and you're like, oh my gosh, I have no like idea what it even means to process my own emotions. Brother, let me encourage you to get into, into a relationship with someone who is, um, who is more spiritually mature than you. And by that, I don't just mean they know more theology. By that, I mean like as a whole person, they're more mature than you. And begin to start to talk to them about how to process emotions, how to how to really think about that, um, how to do that in a way that's God honoring, um, but also uh, but also gives you the ability to work through the things that you're feeling. And then I would say, go and start to try it with your son. Um, it's not too late. Even if you have an 18-year-old son, it's not too late to start to begin to have those sorts of conversations with your son. Mm, that's good. You know, one of the, I guess, one of the, the great truths of parenting is that God will often use our kids to teach us, mm. um, which is what you just expressed is this, uh, there's a whole generation of men, I believe that are raising sons and, and they never were fathered well. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so, uh, there's a tremendous need for, for men's ministry right now. Um, because there are, uh, an entire generation of dads who just don't know where to, to start. So this mm-hmm. book is a great, a great place mm-hmm. for a dad who's becoming more aware of his limitations, becoming more mm-hmm. aware that, you know, I know how to throw a baseball and I know how to take them to the game, 
but I really don't know how to help him process, say, his sexual identity mm. or mm. how to help him deal with the fact that he got cut from the basketball team or mm-hmm. this girl yeah. won't call him back. Or he doesn't know? want to go out for a sports team. He wants to get in the arts. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's all yeah. kinds yeah. of So there's these moments of the preteen years in particular and early junior high where dads start to bump up against things that are very unfamiliar, <laughs> very scary. May not be their experience. Mm-hmm. So. And, and it is uncovering in them needs that they never had met. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. like a double, you know, so it, it's like a double surprise. Yeah. And, and I see a lot of men run at that point. Mm-hmm. I see them isolate and I see them retreat. Um, so I, w- I would really encourage people that are listening. If, if you're the dad and it's scaring you, we've got an option. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, this is, this is, uh, it's so important dads for you to hear, uh, this just really clearly for all the ways that you're afraid and for all the ways that you failed as a dad, the beauty of the gospel when it impacts our parenting and our friendships and our relationships with our kids is that for all those ways, um, Christ has forgiven your sins, uh, First John assures us of that. If we confess our sins, then God is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so really, dads, the beauty of that statement is you get to start with a clean slate. I mean, yeah, you have some relational baggage with your kid that you need to deal with. And quite frankly, as a dad, there's nothing that shows the gospel more powerfully and beautifully than you going to your son and saying, son, I love you. I realize, and I'm coming to realize even more how much I failed you over the years and not being the dad that I should be. Son, forgive me for that. I want to start out now in moving towards building the relationship that I wish we would have had all of these years. You see, that sort of humility in front of your son is just such a glorious thing. And the beauty is, is that the gospel frees you to be humble like that. Um, the gospel frees you from the judgment of culture because God has already judged you in Christ and has said, you're my son. You're my son. I love you. You see, that's the way that God deals with us. And we just get this great opportunity to, in our own broken ways, show that to our sons. Hmm. Those are timeless reminders, Robert. Yeah. Um, I know our time's about out, but I wanted to give, open it up for you. Any last thoughts? No, I think that that's such an important reminder, you know, that God, in fact, it's in our brokenness that God's power is magnified and, um, the humility to accept and to admit and, uh, I don't know, cast some light on our brokenness is a great, opportunity to minister to our kids when they see that, you know, it's not about having it all together. It's not about our behavior and being perfect. It's more about taking the good with the bad and realizing that we are all, you know, we, we are a society that, that gets so hung up on how we measure ourselves against others about what we think we should be or not be. And, um, to show the humility of embracing that brokenness, I think is a great reminder. I'm really glad that you brought that up. Well, we've been talking with Joel Fitzpatrick. He's the author of Between Us Guys. Thank you, Joel, for being a part of Brilliantly Brave. 
Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. We are excited to announce the Storms of Life study, Living Beyond Stressed Out and Overwhelmed. It's a great subtitle, Living Beyond Stressed Out and Overwhelmed. Yeah, I mean, at this point, we know that students are stressed. And for parents and pastors, it's important to know what are the top three things that are really on the minds of our kids. So Brad, walk us through what they can expect from the Storms of Life. This is an eight-week study. It has uh, video insights. It has uh, presentations from a actual youth retreat with junior high and high school students. These kids are going to learn about how their faith can help them fight back the stress that they're living with every day at school. Check it out on iShineLive.com. Well, Robert, I was listening to him and thinking about all my failures as a dad and, Mm. you know, just he was sort of hitting all the things that I found difficult. It's hard. I mean, it's really, really difficult because it bumps up against our own, not only our own shortcomings, but just the things we feel ill-equipped to Mm. handle. You know, I mean, um, nobody has a perfect dad. And so we weren't, you know, parented perfectly by our dads. And so... To pass that on, I think it was such a. I'm really glad we landed where where we did with him, and that is just you know, owning that with your kids is potentially even more powerful than having it all figured out. Well, one of the things that he said that that struck me as incredibly accurate is that most men don't have good friends. Mm-hmm. Um, as a pastor, I can say that is excessively true. Mm-hmm. In fact, I would say almost without exception, I've, I know very few men. Who have good friends? Mm. Um, it is a it is a rare thing in yes. our culture, especially within the church. There are a lot of people who you have acquaintances. Some, yeah, and, yeah. A lot of people you go to church with. There's a lot of guys you hang with, but there's very few people that you're vulnerable with. Mm. Um, and there's power in that. I mean, and it's been know. modeled, you know, by Jesus. I mean, he chose to do life with with a pack of men that they you know in close proximity. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been a great um, a great time with Joel. I'm really glad that he uh, spent some time with us today. Uh, if you want to learn more about his resources and his book and uh, his contact, just look at the uh, the uh, the what do you call them, Brad? The notes They're called the links. Yeah, links at the end of yeah, our. Uh, we'll have source links to uh, source his new links. book, author of Between Us Guys with New Growth Press, and uh, he has his own website, JoelFitzpatrick.com. And uh, we'll have links to the book and to his ministry and how you can get a hold of him if you're looking for uh, advice or help in raising your own sons. Uh, I think this would be a great place to start. That's right. And we appreciate you spending a little time with us today. We don't take it lightly. We really love what we're doing. And we do this because we don't feel brilliant and we don't feel brave. And we know Absolutely. all y'all are in the same place as we are. So Absolutely. we appreciate you spending some time with us. Remember to leave a comment and as many stars as you could possibly give us. And uh, we'll see you here again next week. Thanks, everyone. Goodbye. Be encouraged, parents, you are not alone. In Paul's letter to his son in the faith, Timothy, he writes, But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Brilliantly Brave Parenting wants to be an encouragement and support that parents can rely on. 
Would you consider liking us and sharing us with a friend? As a part of the Tween Gospel Alliance, we are a nonprofit organization dependent on the support of friends like you. Thanks for stopping by. We'll be right here next week. Hey, Robert, we've got some new stuff in the web store. Tell me about it, Brad. It's our very own swag. Really? Absolutely Brilliantly Brave now has its own line of caps, cups, clothing. Yeah, everything, Mugs. man. We got swag. Dog sweaters? Uh, I don't know about the dog sweaters yet, but we can work on it. Okay. So if you're a fan and you've been listening to Brilliantly Brave and you want to share it with your friends, let them know that you're a supporter, hey, come to our website, ishinelive.com, and find out more. Brad, you know I'm a foodie, right? Absolutely. Okay, I want to tell you about this awesome coffee experience. It's called CJ's Coffee Culture and Community. It is a faith-run coffee culture. And the thing that's really cool about this is that they roast their own beans, they have delicious coffees, and they, they have two brick and mortar, so two coffee bars, as well as a virtual location at cjscoffeecafe.com. Here's the cool thing. They ship their beans, they ship their coffee anywhere in the world, so you don't just have to be in Texas to enjoy it. CJ's Coffee Culture and Community. Awesome.